talk through the idea that what we really need in life is to just be in the presence of God. The presence of God is always around us, but to, to acknowledge the presence of God in our own life, because sometimes we can get more focused on sacrificing, and i got to do all these things to get into the presence of God, but what really changes us is the presence of God, and that is felt most in our life when we are willing to just be as we are and be vulnerable in His presence, and we're going to speak into that this morning. Now, when it comes to our... Uh, earthly relationships, um, sometimes we can feel very close to folks. Sometimes we may feel a little bit more distant. Uh, this can happen between friendships or between romantic partners where there's times when you feel really close and there are times when you feel more distance. distance. And studies have shown, people who study relationships, that one of the biggest determining factors often in how close you feel with a friend or with a romantic partner has to do with your willingness to be vulnerable, with your willingness to, to risk in a relationship. And we can chart it out this way, that the relationship depth and quality of a relationship is proportional often to the level of risk and vulnerability that you're willing to put into the relationship. In other words, when you are uh, able to speak more of your brokenness in a relationship, when you're able to speak of your struggles, your fears, your ups and downs, you know, that, that vulnerable stuff, that difficult stuff to speak, when you share that with somebody, the level of relationship often will go much deeper and become more vulnerable. Now, I'm not saying that you should speak vulnerable stuff to relationships that are not safe. I mean, Jesus talked about you don't cast your pearls before swine because there are folks who will use that against you and, and use that to manipulate you, but I'm talking about relationships that are close and safe, that you can take those close and safe relationships and make them much more close and qualitative by becoming vulnerable. And this vulnerability is very important, but what often keeps us from being vulnerable is this thing called shame. And shame has the idea that, you know, if someone knows that I'm broken, if someone knows that I'm not perfect, if someone knows I don't have it all together, then I will be unworthy of love and unworthy of that relationship. And shame can be very damaging in relationships, and it keeps us from becoming vulnerable because we have bought in this lie that if I just wear a mask and I just pretend everything's okay, then my relationships will be better. But it actually works the opposite. The more you're willing to give away your shame and to give it to Jesus and to become vulnerable and become real and take off your masks, your relationships will actually become much more deeper. Uh, Brene Brown, who studies relationships a lot, I studied relationships that, that were close in relationship or distance, and she found that those who have close relationships often had three things at work in their relationships. And the first one was compassion, uh, to have compassion on themselves, yourself, and therefore you have compassion on others. And the second was this idea of vulnerability, that uh, they allowed themselves to be seen and known. And then courage, which also has to do with vulnerability, and that is the courage to be imperfect. They are willing to let go of who they think they should be and be who they really are. And those last two are all about vulnerability. Taking courage and risks to be vulnerable and to just be as you are and not to be who you want to pretend 
you are or who you think that person thinks you should be. And this is why I think this quote is so beautiful by Elizabeth Gilbert. It says, to be fully seen by somebody then and be loved anyhow, this is a human offering that can border on miraculous. To be fully seen by somebody then and be loved anyhow, this is a human offering that can border on miraculous. And, and we, we all know this because sometimes it's rare to find someone in our life where we can actually be completely vulnerable with and completely open and have no masks. And if you can find that relationship, I mean, that is like, a, that's a miracle to have that. And for me personally, I have folks I can be vulnerable with, but I only have one that I can truly be vulnerable with, and that is my wife, Marie. We, we can be very vulnerable with each other, and it's miraculous in that way. But I want to bridge this into our relationship with God, because the point of today's message is not relationships with each other, but it's a relationship with God. The same applies in our relationship with God. That the depth and quality of our relationship with God is also dependent on our level and risk of how vulnerable we are towards Him. And, and sometimes we can feel a little bit distant from God, and it's, it's never on God's side. God is always there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. The scriptures say that even when we are faithless, He is faithful. <laughs> he is always there with open arms. But sometimes we can feel distant, uh, distant at times. And sometimes that is because of our own lack of vulnerability towards God. That we want to present ourselves maybe as we think God wants us to be. Or, uh, you know, we pretend because sometimes we, we want, because sometimes we simply, if you're honest, that we can treat God like a, you know, like a genie. <laughs> you know, if I just do the right things, he's going to give me money. You know, you know, you know I want my business blessed, and so I got to present myself to God as someone who's got lots of faith, and I have no doubt, so God might bless my business. And, and you know, I, I want blessing in my life, and so I come before God, just pretend I have everything together, and see, God, I'm such a righteous, super Christian, so God, you better bless me, because sometimes we just want the stuff from God rather than God himself, and so uh, that just, in the end, will cause us to feel distant. Because we'll wonder, well, God, why aren't you blessing my business? Because after all, I, you know, I told you I have faith. <laughs> but do you really in that moment? Maybe you're struggling. Uh, God wants us to be able to pull off masks. I mean, God highly values vulnerability. In fact, Jesus himself uh, paved the way for this. Uh, Jesus was incredibly vulnerable when he, for one, owning all of this universe, poured himself into human flesh and became a baby. I mean, you can't get much more vulnerable than that. He didn't hold his high position, but became vulnerable and became humble, became a human. And he lived through all that, you know, baby diaper changes and all that, whatever they had back in those days. But when it came to the crucifixion, we especially see his vulnerability. Uh, at any moment, he could have stopped it, but he uh, lets these religious leaders humiliate him. Uh, and one of the, the, the reasons that the cross was such a shameful thing was the very reason that it was incredibly shameful. It was done in such a way to um, humiliate that person in the most crazy ways possible. And this is why, for those who were crucified, including Jesus, he would have been paraded through the streets of Jerusalem completely naked after he was beat and ridiculed and people mocking him and they would not mock their genitalia and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was the ultimate humiliation. And then, of course, nailed to the cross nakedly 
as people hurled insults at him. And you can't get much more vulnerable than that. In fact, Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews 12. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And to disregard means to put it away, that he didn't let him affect him because he knows in the end, this is something we all got to learn, <laughs> that shame has no hold on us. People will throw it at us, we will throw it on ourselves, but in the end, because of the presence of the Father, shame has no hold on us. He disregarded the shame of the cross, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that even though Jesus is glorified and seated at the right hand of God, Jesus still has wounds. A lot of us, when we maybe think of going to heaven or getting glorified bodies, there may be scars and wounds that we want to get rid of because we're ashamed of our wounds. Often we're ashamed of our brokenness. We, we want to be perfect. <laughs> Jesus kept his wounds. In Luke 24, Jesus says, you can see it's really me. Touch me. He showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them his wounded hands and his wounded feet. And, and he's going to be like this for all eternity. He didn't during the, the day of ascension, ascend to heaven and then get rid of his wounds. But they are eternally there forevermore. In fact, the Latin word for vulnerable comes from vulnus, which means wound. And I love this quote. It says, if Jesus showed us his scars, even after his resurrection, then maybe we can learn to integrate pain and suffering into our own lives in a way that frees us from wasting energy spent in denial and shame. You see, the wounds of Christ show us something about vulnerability. That, that we often want to hide our wounds. We don't want anybody to see them. We want God to get rid of them. And, but there can be beauty in our wounds. And maybe in the end, because Jesus kept his wounds, that God is not as interested in perfection as we are sometimes. And we get so caught up in you know, perfection and, and appearances and, and pretending every, like everything is great. And, and God, what, what he really wants to do is just meet with us and, and have us just be welcomed into his presence. We did a whole series in the fall on the Psalms and emotions. Again, we see in the Psalms this, this value that God has of being vulnerable. Uh, the, the Psalms are not whitewashed. The Psalms are not po folks wearing masks. The Psalms present raw emotion, raw vulnerability in the presence of God. I mean, Psalm 55, the psalmist wrote, writes, fear and trembling overwhelm me and I cannot stop shaking. You know, sometimes we have a hard time admitting we're afraid. We have a hard time especially admitting, admitting that to each other, but, but sometimes we might even have a hard time admitting that to God. Because again, we have this idea that God is, is really focused on perfection and, and he is holy and, and only perfect things can be in his presence. And, and somehow we've got this idea of God being holy mixed up. God's holiness is part of his love. God is love and his holiness flows out of it. He is wholly loving. His holiness is that fact that he is perfect love. And, 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 and in that perfect love, we can be honest and we can take off our masks and in his holiness, we can actually be as we are and be vulnerable. And there are times when maybe we want to pretend, you know, God, I'm not afraid. You know, I have, I have faith and I have power and, and I'm not afraid. Is that the real you? Maybe it is in that moment, but, but it's a good question. Are you presenting to God the real you? 
or are you presenting a whitewashed you, a fake you, because actually you just want something from God, and, and you think you can pull a, a mask over his eyes, or, or Psalm 22. I mean, you talk about being honest before God. This psalmist writes, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And, and God says, you know, this is going in my book. In fact, this is so incredible of a prayer. Jesus himself <laughs> prayed this on the, pro uh, the cross, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, God highly values our vulnerability, and God himself has been very vulnerable to us. Even when things seem totally heretical and totally untheologically correct, God still wants us to be vulnerable with him. I mean, we talked about this in the fall in our series in Psalm 39, where this psalmist being very vulnerable with his fears and frustrations and anger before God, he says, O Bob, Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. And what a horrible thing. But this person is venting frustration because the Babylonians came in and had their babies smashed against their rock and their women raped and tortured. And, and he's so angry and frustrated. He comes before God, not whitewashing it all, saying, you know, God, I, I really love all my enemies and I want you to bless them. That's being fake in that moment. In that moment, he's angry and saying, God, I just, I just want you to take their babies and smash them against the rock. He's being completely vulnerable, no masks, and this is the way God wants us to come. He wants us to come as we are. It is important that we pray what's inside of us and not what we think God would like to see inside of us. It's important that we pray what's inside of us and not what we think God would like to see inside of us. Again, sometimes we can subtly deceive ourselves, and God can see right through of us, but, but it doesn't help with our relationship when we come with fakery before God. Again, sometimes because we desperately want something, we will come before God and present ourselves more beautiful and together and less broken than we actually are. We can come before God and pray in a way that makes us feel like we're more of a super Christian than we actually are. You know, you know, God, you know, I'm just doing wonderful and everything's great. And, you know, I have faith like a lion and I'm strong and, and everything is beautiful. And, and God is like, really? Because sometimes we have other motives in our house. Or sometimes it's because we have been so trained by this world to wear masks. And the reality is that studies have shown that vulnerability is actually becoming a lost art. And we've become so trained by that that we get shame from people and shame from social media that we think God is the same. And so when we come before him, we wear masks. But Hebrews 4 says this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And sometimes we think we can only come boldly when everything we're just doing really well. And after we've worshipped and read the Bible, then I can come boldly into the throne of grace. That's not what the text is saying. It says we can come boldly into the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now, when do we need mercy and when do we need grace? Well, we need it all the time. That's true, even when we're doing well. But it says here, when we need it most. When do we need it most? When we're falling apart. 
when the darkness is overwhelming us, when we're broken, when we don't have everything together, God says, when you are at your worst, when you are broken and you're covered in darkness, I want you to come boldly into the throne room of grace. Because again, God is far less interested in our perfection than we think he is. He just wants us to be with him. And we have this idea that somehow if we're going to go into the throne room of grace and we don't have everything together, that God's going to shame us. And he's going to discipline us and he's going to get us. And, 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 and this is why the Bible three times tells us that God won't shame us. Now, three times it says this, and, and I've said this before, but I, I think I could say this every week, and we still not might get this, because something's been ingrained in us by bad theology or by the world that we think God is just there shaming us. But Romans 9 says, the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Romans 10, 11 says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Ephesians Peter 2, 6 says, the one who trusts in him will never, and you know what never in the Greek means? It means never, never be put to shame. And so there is no fear of being absolutely vulnerable in God's presence. Because no matter who you are, what you're going through, what I'm going through, there's no shame in his presence. I mean, the Bible tells us that God is love. He is love, and his holiness comes out of that love. And, uh, you, know, you know, my wife, Marie, she is, she's a beautiful thinker at times. And a few weeks ago, she, she wrote this little thing, and I was like, you know, that's bang on. And, uh, you know, I decided to put it in, into my sermon. She wrote this. We have this idea that love only loves perfect things. Yet love reaches beyond barriers that we humans erect and transforms the dark, darkest corners of humanity. That transformation is unquantifiable. Love loves the imperfect. This is the nature of love. I mean, when you love, I mean, we as humans love imperfect things. I mean, I love lots of humans in my life, and I don't know any perfect human other than Jesus. Uh, we love imperfect things. Where did this get this idea that God only loves perfect things? That the only perfect things can be in his presence. <laughs> Uh, that God only loves perfect things, and when we have that idea, this is why we feel so ashamed about coming into God's presence. This is why we want to pretend we have everything together when we come into God's presence, that somehow, you know, I'm such a, I got all this faith, and, you know, I'm strong, and I'm bold, and I'm courageous, and I have no issues, and I'm not anxious, and then I come into God's presence because then uh, he won't be ashamed me because I'm beautiful and wonderful. But God loves you, the imperfect you, the broken you, and when you go into his presence, it's his presence that, that begins to transform us. I mean, there's another way of actually looking at Luke 18, and it fits well in what we're talking about. Luke 18 is the story of the, the righteous, hypocritical Pharisee and the, the tax collector. It says, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Jesus says two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of my income. <laughs> Sometimes we're like this Pharisee when we come to the presence of God. And I got I'm just a great Christian. I'm one of your best Christians. So glad I'm not falling apart like all those other Christians out there. I got 
faith and, and I got courage and, and I'm doing well. And, and we come like this fakery. And we come not as we really are, but we come as we think God should hope us to be. And because if we're not that, then God's going to shame us. And, and, and God doesn't like, you know, pe- people who are not perfect. And, and so we pretend. We become just like this Pharisee, coming into God's presence and praying that we have everything together. But Jesus does a little twist in this parable. He says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, Jesus says, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The hero of this story in the presence of God was not the Pharisee who was being fake, thinking he had everything together. The hero of the story is the one who came and was just absolutely vulnerable in the presence of God. God, I'm not doing well today, and I need your mercy, and I'm falling apart, and things aren't... And Jesus says, that is the one who's justified. That is the one who is in the right. That is the one. This is the way we should be. We need to learn to be honest in the presence of God and be vulnerable with him. We need to move beyond our obsession with appearances and reputation, and we need to welcome vulnerability. And this, this is hard for the church because the church has really shaped itself in a lot of ways where we put a lot of attention on, on appearances and reputation. And when people come in who are not perfect and you come in and you're having a bad day, that can very, very easily be shamed, maybe not verbally, but it can be subtly shamed in the church. And this is why a lot of people in the church wear masks. If you don't believe me, I'm a pastor. I meet with people and I hear all the darkness and brokenness that is going on in people's lives. And, and most of the time, Christians never share that with each other because there's this subtle atmosphere of shame sometimes. The subtle atmosphere that says, you know, you need to have it all together and you need to, you need to be this perfect and that's when we value you. We lift up those people and, and those people we like and, you know, those people who don't have it all together, we, we put those aside. And, and the church is broken that way. The church needs to learn to be like God and welcome vulnerability and to welcome brokenness and to together say, Let's go into the presence of God because God is the one who changes us. God is the one who builds us up. Ronald Rollheiser said this. There are two classical concepts of perfection, one Greek and the other Hebrew. In the Greek ideal, to be perfect is to have no deficiencies, no faults, no flaws. Perfect, perfection to the Greek mind means to measure up to some ideal standard, to be completely whole, true, good, and beautiful. To be perfect is never to sin. The Hebrew ideal of perfection is quite different. In this mindset, to be perfect simply means to walk with God, despite our flaws. Perfection here means in the, in the divine presence, in spite of the fact that we are not perfectly whole, good, true, and beautiful, we can never measure up. We can never be perfect in the Greek sense, but that is not what God is asking of us. What God is asking is that we bring our helplessness, weaknesses, imperfections, and sin constantly to him. That we walk with him and that we never hide from him. You see, the church has shaped this idea of God and perfection in the Greek sense. 
rather than the Hebrew sense. In the Greek sense, we as a church focus on perfection. You better have it all together and you better be really disciplined to get that sin out of your life. And what we really need is the presence of God because it's the presence of God that transforms us. And it's our realizing that we all need the presence of God which all of a sudden destroys shame and allows us to be vulnerable with each other and vulnerable with God and to bring ourselves to the place where we really see transformation, and that is when we are walking with each other in brokenness, and God is walking with us in our brokenness, and putting away shame, and building us up in the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, there's so many examples of this. I mean, the prodigal son is an example of this. You know, this broken son who, you know, wished his father dead, who, who wasted all his father's stuff. I mean, you talk about sinning against God, it was the prodigal son. Because the father is the God picture of God. And when that prodigal son comes home, the father doesn't shame him. The father doesn't say, you better repent and ask for forgiveness before I love you and welcome you. God did none of that, which we always think God is all about that because God is all about perfection. But no, God is about presence. God runs towards the son, embraces the son, welcomes the son back into his home before the son does any kind of repenting or, you know, for asking forgiveness or any of that kind of thing, because God wants us. But God not only, only did that with the prodigal son, God did that with the elder pharisaical, pharisaical son, who's out in the field, all stubborn, and, you know, how God loved those kinds of people out there, you know, God should just love me because I have everything together. Guess what God does in that sense? He goes out even to the oldest son. You see, it doesn't matter if you're self-righteous or you, you think you're everything's falling apart, God is pursuing you. Because whether you're righteous or you feel unrighteous, it's the presence of the Father that changes us. That is what is important. You know, Hosea 6, 6 says, I want to show, uh, you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And sometimes we make all our life, it's about trying to earn perfection. I got to sacrifice and sacrifice and give these burnt offerings and I got to pretend I have everything together. And God's like, I want you to be with me. I want us to be connected. Because in the end, that is what changes us. Philippians 2 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, it is God at work in us that changes our heart. It is God at work in us that gives us the power to do what he wants us to do. And, and we've got that all backwards, thinking that we have to, you know, our own strength, try to earn perfection. I've got to pretend I have everything together. And then maybe if I come into God's presence, I'll get what I want. And God's just saying, no, no, no. Just come into my presence as you are. I love you just as you are. I'm not going to shame you. And just allow my presence to begin to change you. You see, the reality is, God loves the real you. He does. And sometimes it's hard to actually just receive. God loves the real you, not the fake you, not the you who pretends or who puts all the stuff together or comes into God's presence be trying to be more Christian than you really are or whatever. God loves the real you, and he wants you to be vulnerable. And the more you realize that you can just be vulnerable in God's presence, the more you realize that God is not shaming you when you share the darkest junk in your life, and the more you can just sit in his love, and that's when you start to feel close to God. That's when you feel his love breathing in you. This is when you begin to see transformation. So I just want to take a moment to allow you to reflect on this.
And maybe for the first time, you uh, have never really been honest with God. Maybe you always have the sense of sort of pretending in God's presence, and this is why you find prayer so frustrating, and why you find talking to God so distantly, because it's actually, actually not you. God wants you to come just as you are. And maybe for the first time, as you come into God's presence, you just want to be honest. And say, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. You know, this is what I think about you right now, <laughs> whatever it might be. God wants you to be honest, and it's from that place of honesty that you'll begin to see transformation. And so just take a moment and just express your true heart. Take a risk. Be vulnerable in the presence of God. He is not going to shame you. Again, over and over, the New Testament says there is no shame. There is no condemnation. Express what is really on your heart, and then just take a moment to receive God's love in response. How does God find you today? Just release, be vulnerable, take a risk. Tell God what's going on. you've shared your highs and your lows, the light and the darkness in your heart, just in your brokenness, allow God to love you. Not as you would hope to be, not as you think God wants you to be, but just as you are. God loves you, real you, just as you are right now. Just receive God's love into your heart.